Hello and welcome to The Almost Forgotten, the podcast that looks at the lives of great historical figures who have fallen through the cracks of our collective memories. This time, we're talking about Cyaxares, the king of the Medes. The Median Empire is probably best known as the overlords of the Persians, who overthrew them on their way to forming the Achaemenid Persian Empire. But Cyaxares and the Median Empire has their own story of conquest and rule in the ancient world. Maps and images can be found on the website, almostforgotten.squarespace.com. If you have any questions or comments, you can email me at almostforgottenpodcast.gmail.com or find me on Twitter at the Almost Forgot. This is Season 5, Episode 3, Cyaxares, and this is The Almost Forgotten. Cyaxares, whose name in Greek was pronounced Kyaxares or Kuaxares, and was something closer to Uvaxtra in Median, an ancient Iranian language related to Old Persian, was born in Ecbatana around 650 BC. Ecbatana was the capital of the Medes at the time, and had been for maybe a hundred years, maybe less. The Medes as a people weren't necessarily new to the world, but their kingdom was a young one at the time. So, who were the Medes? Obviously, they're the people who lived in Media. Next. Alright, alright, so Media. Of course, I put up maps on the website, almostforgotten.squarespace.com. You can sort of think of it as that very same satrapy of Media, from the Achaemenid Empire and Alexander's Empire, including its capital city of Ecbatana. But we probably ought to go with the more descriptive version, so here we go. Media is an area roughly bounded by the Alborz Mountains in the north, which means almost to the Caspian Sea, but not quite, and then by the Araxes River in the northwest, the Zagros Mountains to the west and southwest, with Mesopotamia on the other side. To the east lay the Great Salt Desert, and to the south, across what is as far as I can tell some ambiguous line, was Elam. I mean, I'm sure the line wasn't ambiguous to, like, Darius the Great or Seleucus Nicator, but seems like nowadays. Anyway, it's probably easiest to just say that Media is the northwest quadrant of today's country of Iran, and that would pretty much get you there. The people known as the Medes were an Iranian people, that is to say, they spoke an Indo-Iranian language, which is part of the larger Indo-European language family unlike their Semitic-speaking neighbors to the west. The big boys in the neighborhood were the Assyrians. Under the leadership of kings named Tikulti-Ninurta, Tiglath-Pilesar, and Sennacherib, the Assyrians were the terror of the ancient Near East. The Assyrians had conquered pretty much the entire region, subjugating everyone from Babylon to Arartu to Phoenicia to Elam. They warded off Egyptian, at the time really Cushite, attempts in the region, and eventually they took Egypt themselves. As I mentioned at the end of the previous episode, the Assyrian king Esharhaddon had successfully invaded Egypt and sacked Memphis in 671 BC. When the Assyrians were initially expanding from northern, well, Syria, hence the name, the Medes probably weren't anything more than a loose group of similar-speaking tribes. 
I hesitate to call these little kingdoms a confederation because it suggests unity. And I also hesitate to call them kingdoms because it suggests a level of power approaching that of their neighbors, neither of which is probably the way we should be thinking about them in, say, the 800s BC. By the end of that century, the Assyrians had certainly expanded into at least the western portion of Media, and like everywhere else they went, it wasn't a pleasant experience for the inhabitants. According to the Cambridge History of Iran, quote, the greater part of the population was massacred, and only part of the able-bodied male population were carried off into slavery, naked and with yokes around their necks, unquote. The Assyrians were feared because they were so darn brutal, like they had a reputation for brutality in the 9th century BC, which, I mean, think about that. You gotta be really, really brutal to get noticed for it back then. But they did let up a bit, and by the latter half of the 700s, they realized that doing that was unprofitable. Back to the Cambridge history. Quote, Henceforth the inhabitants, in so far as their territory could be incorporated into Assyria, were either left where they were and were heavily taxed, or else, more frequently, transferred some time after the conquest in an organized manner, with some of their belongings, with their children, etc. Unquote. So these people would be moved across the empire, replaced with people from other parts of the empire, and allowed to work and produce for Assyria. At that time, the Medes were still individual tribes, so when the Assyrians invaded, one or two tribes might stand and fight. Once the others saw how well that worked, they would either flee into the mountains or try to buy the invaders off. We know from Assyrian records that incursions into the land of the Medes continued on and off from the 9th to the 8th and into the 7th centuries BC. Media had avoided complete conquest by the Assyrians because of their mountainous terrain, but parts were taken by both Tiglath-Pileser III and Sargon II in the late 700s. Further south of Assyria, down the Tigris and Euphrates, was the ancient kingdom of Babylonia. Like the Assyrians, they were Semitic-speaking people. Although Akkadian had been mostly replaced by Aramaic for both of them, it remained something of an official language. The two shared similar gods. Actually, the Assyrians had adopted the Babylonian gods a few millennia earlier, and of course the Babylonian religion was based on Sumerian religion. But anyway, there were differences between the Assyrians and Babylonians, of course. The Assyrians were more militaristic, and their king had more absolute power than the king in Babylon, where the priesthood held greater sway. And at this point, the kingdom of Babylon was a vassal state to Assyria, usually ruled by a king that was appointed by the Assyrian emperor. Besides the Assyrians and Babylonians, the most important entities in the immediate region during the 600s included Urartu, which sat to the northwest of Media and north of Assyria, in today's Armenia and eastern Turkey. Smaller and weaker than Assyria, they had been able to withstand the Assyrian onslaught at times, but by the last years of the 700s they had been attacked and were not as powerful as they once were. And there were the Manaeans, which had a smaller kingdom located in the northwest of today's Iran. It sat between the Assyrians to the west, Urartu to the north, and Media to their east. They had maintained some independence, but in part because they were often, although not always, allied with the Assyrians. As for the world outside of Mesopotamia in 650-ish BC, 
Across the Arabian desert, the most powerful group was the Sabaean kingdom of Yemen, and may have been the biblical Sheba. Egypt, of course, had been ruled by Cush thanks to the conquests of Pa, but by the 670s, the Cushite kingdom had at least retreated down to Thebes, if not all the way back to Nubia. Psamtik I was ruling at least northern Egypt, and ruling initially out of the city of Sais, he may have been a descendant of Tefnacht, that king that Pa kicked out a century earlier. Further south, of course, sat the heart of Nubian lands and the, at the time still quite powerful, kingdom of Cush, which survived in the southern Nile Valley well beyond the Assyrian invasion of Egypt. Further west, Carthage had begun to flourish as a Phoenician colony, along with a few others, especially on Sardinia and western Sicily. The Greek states were in the Archaic period, a hundred years or so out of the Greek Dark Ages as they are known. This is when Greek colonization really ramps up. The Etruscans were the dominant power in northern Italy, and one of the city-states in their general orbit was Rome, but it was still new, still small, and still led by a king. Celts, or proto-Celts or whatever, were the dominant people in the rest of Western Europe, including the Britons on the island named after them. The kingdom of Lydia ruled over much of western Anatolia. Their greatest king, Gyges, ruled in the middle of the 7th century, expanding their territory and consolidating its power. Northwest India, the subcontinent, not the country, was in the later Vedic period, and the rest of India was in the period of many, many small states known as the Janapada, beginning to enter the Mahajanapada period, as detailed in the episode on Chandragupta Maurya, where the kingdoms began to swallow each other up and were whittled down to 16 in total. China was well into the spring and autumn period after the weakening of the Zhu dynasty. The age of the five hegemons was beginning. And in the Western Hemisphere, the Olmecs were flourishing in Mesoamerica while the Chavan culture was in its heyday in South America. Back in the Near East, the Assyrian-dominated world was shaken up with the presence of two groups from the Eurasian steppe, the Cimmerians and the Scythians. Now, I'm not going to go into detail about the difference between the two, or the difference between these Scythians and later groups known as Scythians. What's important is that they were both almost certainly horse-riding nomads from the Eurasian steppe. Horse-riding nomads from the Eurasian steppe are also known as history's version of the Sim City monster. Herodotus wrote that the Scythians kicked the Cimmerians out of the northern shore of the Black Sea. And this is still believed by many scholars to be true, that the Cimmerians essentially migrated south from the Pontic Steppe. The Kerch Strait sits there, which connects the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov, and separates eastern Crimea from the land further east. This area was known as the Cimmerian Bosporus to the ancient Greeks. The main Greek city that was soon founded there also took its name from the strait, but they used the Scythian name, Pantacapa, which means fish path, to name the capital of their kingdom of the Cimmerian Bosporus, Panticapaeum. But perhaps I'm digressing. So, the Cimmerians went southeast, along the shoreline of the Black Sea, into the Caucasus. But that territory isn't friendly for horsemen, so they made their way further south, into the Near East. The Cimmerians probably messed up Urartu pretty good, but they didn't have much luck against the Assyrians. So, after a few decades, they decided to keep looping around the Black Sea and made their way into Anatolia and eventually Lydia. 
The Scythians came as well around that time, and they had a bit more success. By the end of the 8th century, they had started to disrupt the order, or maybe I should say increase the disorder of the region. They expanded into the Caucasus and even further south, perhaps even a bit into Media. As for Media, Cyaxares wasn't their first king. He didn't unite these people. It's believed that this collection of independent townships with a unifying culture and language probably coalesced around a single king in the 670s BC, before Cyaxares. Probably. We're not really sure. But the first king, or priest-king, or leader of the priesthood, or whatever he was, was named Diokes and is credited with establishing Ecbatana as its capital. Ecbatana would eventually make for an impressive capital. Herodotus gives a great description of the city, which states it had a large palace on top of a hill, and below the palace were seven concentric circles. Because of the hill itself, as you go up, each wall got higher, or at least appeared that way, and each wall was a different color, red, black, white, blue, even silver and gold. Now, this was probably a bit of a fanciful description. Herodotus may have just been describing something similar to a ziggurat, maybe one with a smaller set of walls around it. The colors seem a bit wild too, although eventually Ecbatana certainly had more than its share of gold and silver inside the walls. As for the bright colors, it's not out of the question. The Ishtar Gate of Babylon, built around that time, is pretty darn bright itself. As far as Ecbatana was from Assyria proper, and with the Zagros Mountains in between them, the small kingdom around the capital was not a vassal of the Assyrians. As they expanded, the Medes may have ruled some of the eastern counties of Manae as well, that small kingdom in between Assyria and Media. Sometime before Cyaxares, there had been some sort of rebellion against Assyrian hegemony under a Median king or chieftain named Kashtarita, who may or may not have been the same guy as Freortes, who was Cyaxares' father. Now, this rebellion probably happened further west than Ecbatana, in those Median kingdoms that were closer to Assyria and more subject to its power. So, Kashtarita led a rebellion against Assyrian overlords in at least some part of Media. The Medes had some victories. The Assyrians tried to negotiate with Kashtarita, but were seemingly rebuffed. He allied with some of the Scythian tribes and tried to get Babylon on his side as well. Within a few years, though, maybe by the end of the 670s, the rebellion appears to be over, and Kashtarita is not mentioned again. We can only speculate what happened. Kashtarita may have been a leader of western Medes, unconnected with Freortes, and died in the midst of the rebellion. Or maybe they were rivals, with Freortes acknowledging Assyria as his suzerain and Kashtarita launching a civil war along the border counties. Or maybe they were the same person. There are plenty of theories, but we just don't know, which is one reason why this episode isn't about Kashtarita or Freortes. We do know, though, something that did happen around this time. According to the Cambridge History of Iran, quote, the rise of the Median Kingdom in circa 673 to 672 seems to be beyond all doubt. It is already mentioned side by side with Urartu, Hubuskia, and the land of the Manaeans in a letter from the Royal Archives, which can be dated from between the years 672 and 669, unquote. This is presumably the Assyrian Royal Archives, and the book goes on to list several other independent kingdoms, implying Media 
was more than just an unorganized collection of Iranian tribes at this point. Hubuskia, by the way, was a province of Urartu, and this may suggest that it had some degree of independence from the weakened kingdom at this point. Media, nonetheless, was now a real-life thing, acknowledged as a kingdom by the Assyrians. Around this time, the Menaeans and the Assyrians came into conflict, and by the end, in the 650s, the Menaeans were greatly reduced in strength. Without a real buffer state, conflict arose between Assyria and their neighbor to the east, and the Assyrians defeated them, subjugating Media once again. Only, the war wasn't with the Medes, it was with the Scythians. Wait, what? So, this is back to the mystery of relying on Greek and Assyrian and other sources like that, as there just aren't Median ones. Herodotus says the Assyrians defeated Phraortes, but with Herodotus, as the Cambridge history points out, quote, one must bear in mind that he wrote his history of Asia only from oral tradition two or three hundred years after the events, unquote. The Assyrians didn't record any fighting with the Medes, not with Phraortes. Instead, they talk about defeating Scythians. This is probably because the Scythians had spread south, down through the Caucasus, into the Near East, and had conquered at least some of Media. They had also beaten up and possibly controlled Urartu and Manea, although these kingdoms all maintained some sense of individuality, if not independence. In Media, Scythian hegemony makes some sense if you presume they were in a weakened state after the loss of a great leader like Kashtarita. Although maybe the Scythians were just really tough cookies. Their hegemony across the region just north of Assyria also suggests Assyria itself was feeling at least some pain by their presence. Media didn't just disappear under Scythian rule. Cyaxares was born around 650 BC and was probably at least in some part a member of some royal family, supposedly Freortes' son, which might have made him Castorita's son too. The Medes learned to fight using Scythian techniques and were trained alongside the Scythians. Herodotus states that Cyaxares held the Scythians in high esteem and, quote, delivered boys to them to learn their speech and the art of shooting with the bow, unquote. In fact, part of the issue with the archaeological evidence of the period is that the Medes and other regional powers started using Scythian arrows. Their arrowheads were more effective, and it becomes hard to tell the different cultures' weapons apart. The traditional dating of the beginning of Cyaxares' kingship is the year 625, when he ousted the Scythians. Herodotus writes of the Median rebellion against the Scythians, quote, Cyaxares with the Medes, having invited the greater number of them to a banquet, made them drunk and slew them, and thus the Medes recovered their power, unquote. This would suggest Cyaxares wasn't just some dude who got a bunch of rebels behind him and started a fight he held enough power to get them to come to a feast. And we don't really get any detail beyond this, so speculate away. Herodotus' suggestion that the Scythians then retreated all the way to the Black Sea is ludicrous, and Cyaxares battles them later, so perhaps he just forced one tribe out, or maybe he killed their leaders and incorporated their armies into his, which would help explain his next round of successes, as well as the whole confusing arrowhead thing. Herodotus, who, yeah, I know, I just said something he wrote was ludicrous, and well, this ain't necessarily true either, wrote that Cyaxares was, 
quote, said to have been yet much more warlike than his forefathers, and he first banded the men of Asia into separate divisions. He first arrayed apart from one another the spearmen and the archers and the horsemen, for before that time they were all mingled together without distinction, unquote. This is the kind of legend that Herodotus sometimes reports, but modern scholars see a shred of truth in that Cyaxares probably upgraded the Median military. It may have been as simple as incorporating Scythian techniques into their army, or complementing his forces with Scythian-like horsemen. The point is, today he now gets credit as a great military reformer. Assyrian power was waning at this point, and a series of civil wars began to weaken the kingdom. When a new Assyrian king, Sin Sharish Kun came to the throne, things got worse for them. Internal strife, conflict between the priest and warrior classes, and a leader who was perhaps regarded as weak or not entirely legitimate was the spark that really lit the powder keg in Assyria itself. As stated in the Cambridge History of Iran, quote, the entire Orient lived in the hope to see the destruction of Assyria, unquote. A Chaldean leader, that is, a native Babylonian, who was named Nabopolassar, led a revolt in 626 BC against his Assyrian overlords. An Assyrian general also launched some sort of civil war against Sin Sharish Kun. A small kingdom over on the Phoenician coast called Judah, under a king named Josiah, regained its independence and maybe took some small Assyrian provinces to his north. It all started unraveling for the Assyrians, and it went quickly. But the Babylonians weren't entirely successful at first. They had some victories before being pushed back when the Egyptians came to the aid of the Assyrians. But they did manage to eventually establish themselves pretty far north, and they defeated the Assyrians near Arapa, modern-day Kirkuk. They attacked Assur, the ancient capital and origin city of the Assyrians in 615 BC, but couldn't take it. Cyaxares, now leading an independent media, saw an opening and he took advantage of the situation. He probably first used the Babylonian defeat of the Assyrians and their Manaean allies to invade Mane and take over that small kingdom. That would have moved him west and completely eliminated any buffer between Media and Assyria. In 614, he led his forces west and took the Assyrian city of Arapa where the Babylonians had beaten them up in the prior year. Then, he demonstrated his impressive abilities as a general. He marched out to Nineveh, the great Assyrian capital, some 60 miles or 100 kilometers to the north, and put it to siege. Being the seat of power for the regional bully for the last few centuries, Nineveh was an impressive city. Sennacherib had built a massive palace without rival there, around 700 B.C., some of which makes up a big part of the galleries at the British Museum today. 30-ton Lamassu, stuff like that. But the Assyrians scrambled to defend their capital. Cyaxares lifted the siege and quickly made his way back south, down the Tigris River. He got to Assur and besieged it. This was their original capital, and with most of the Assyrians still defending Nineveh, he was able to capture it. After a fierce battle, Assur was completely destroyed. Cyaxares had also positioned himself between any relief armies in Nineveh, as well as Kala, also called Nimrud, another ancient city and former capital. Although Nineveh was the capital, Assur was still important. Looting the city gave the Medes the kind of wealth that was probably unimaginable to them before that time, and it helped fuel their expansion and growth. 
it also cemented Media as a true regional power. It was at Asur that Nablo-Palasar of Babylon came and met Syaxares. There, they declared an alliance, and they probably hashed out what the border would be between their two kingdoms after they had completely destroyed Assyria and annexed their lands. Syaxares also agreed to have his daughter, or maybe granddaughter, named Amitis, to marry Nablo-Palasar's son. This son, Nebuchadnezzar II, would rule the Neo-Babylonian Empire for over 40 years, starting in 605, and he did marry Amitis. Actually, it's said that he was the one who built the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and he did it for her because she was homesick for the fertile lands of Media. The two allies joined forces to attack Nineveh. After laying siege to it, they were able to storm the city, and they slaughtered much of the population. A force from the Assyrian army was able to escape, and they ended up appointing their general as the new emperor. He first fled to Haran, and then further west to Carchemish, skirting today's Turkish-Syrian border. The Egyptian pharaoh Necho came up to help his Assyrian allies. On his way there, he defeated the kingdom of Judah at the Battle of Megiddo in 609. Josiah, the king of Judah, was killed, and Judah became an Egyptian vassal state. Although that was cool for Necho because it got him some ink in the Old Testament, he didn't really help his Assyrian buddies out that much, because most of the remaining parts of the Assyrian Empire's military were wiped out that same year. At Haran, the Median and Babylonian armies may well have worked together like they did at Nineveh, although we don't have as much evidence about the battle itself. In 609, though, Haran was sacked, and the Neo-Assyrian Empire essentially ceased to exist. In 605, the Babylonians, now led by Nebuchadnezzar, fought against the Egyptians as well as whatever remnants there were of Assyrian forces at Carchemish. It's not clear at all if Syaxares or the Median army was at this battle, but what is clear is it spelled the end of Necho II's expansion into former Assyrian territory. He would soon lose the rest of Phoenicia, Judah, and everything else he held east of the Sinai to the Babylonians. With the destruction of Assyria, the empire was split between the new big powers in the region, Babylon and Media. According to the Cambridge History of Iran, quote, the Assyrian empire was partitioned between Media and Babylonia along a frontier which apparently passed from the Euphrates above Carchemish to the south of Haran and further approximately along the mountain chain Jabal Sinjar across the Tigris to the south of Assur along the mountain chain Hamran along the valley of the Diyala, and to the northwestern mountain borders of Elam, unquote. Using today's geography, the Medes got Iran, the northern part of Iraq, basically Kurdish country, give or take, as well as anything in Turkey. Babylon got the lower two-thirds-ish of Iraq, most of Syria, and the Mediterranean coast. Of course, with their mutual enemy gone and the explosive growth in their power, and the two empires now sharing thousands of miles of borders, they may not have expected peace between them to last. It appears from some sources that there was a real possibility of conflict between the two powers at the time, but instead Syaxares focused on his other neighbors. To the south, Syaxares incorporated the once powerful kingdom of Elam into his lands, although if this was by conquest, or more of a now small vassal kingdom negotiating with their new overlords once Assyria fell, we just don't know. To the east of Elam was Persis, 
that southern part of Iran, which would soon spring the Achaemenid dynasty out into the larger world. It became part of Media too. Cyrus I of Persis, grandfather of Cyrus the Great, was probably a vassal king under Cyaxares. We know that Cyrus I's son, Cambyses I, was not the king of an independent Persis. Cyaxares may not have out-and-out conquered the land, though, because Cambyses married Cyaxares' granddaughter. So it could mean the absorption of the kingdom may have been something of a negotiation. We don't know much about what happened to the east of Media. What we know is that the Median Empire, by its end when Cyrus the Great overthrew it, neighbored Bactria, which is eastern Afghanistan. So the Medians, possibly Cyaxares, although we just don't know, almost certainly incorporated Parthia, essentially the northeastern part of today's Iran, and Haria, today known as Herat, basically western Afghanistan. To the northwest, first Cyaxares ended the independence of the Menaeans. And in 590 or 585, he did the same to Arartu. He attacked and took the capital of Tushpa, now called Van, by 585. And some legends have it that he put the Arantid dynasty in power, who ruled the satrapy that formed in place of Arartu and eventually the kingdom of Armenia. The Scythians too had set up something of an independent kingdom in the southeast Caucasus region, centered on today's Azerbaijan. Conflict there occurred as well, and the Scythians were defeated. They fled west to western Anatolia, outside of the growing empire of the Medes. There they took refuge with the Lydians. Herodotus, by the way, says the Scythians were living in Ecbatana under the care of the Medians and got mad and cooked up a royal child or something, which is the real reason they fled. But I'm going to stick with the war over territory thing on this one. The Lydians, together with the Scythians, had fought the Cimmerians and possibly pushed them out of Anatolia. We don't really hear of them again. The Lydians were expanding east, possibly to try and take old Assyrian lands in eastern Turkey, when they came into conflict with the Medes. Cyaxares demanded the Lydians hand over the Scythian leaders who had pissed him off earlier. He was rebuffed, and so war began. After a few years of indecisive conflict, the two armies, the Lydians led by their king Aliates, met for battle in north-central Anatolia, near the Hollis River. At least we think it was Cyaxares. There remains a possibility that his son, Astyages, was in charge. But we'll stick with Herodotus on this one, because, you know, He's the father of history and all that. The battle was an interesting one. We know the exact date, the 28th of May, 585 BC. We know the date because that's when there was a total solar eclipse, which caused the battle to completely stop. Herodotus writes, quote, There had arisen war between the Lydians and the Medes lasting five years, in which years the Medes often discomfited the Lydians and the Lydians often discomfited the Medes. And as they still carried on the war with equally balanced fortune, in the sixth year a battle took place in which it happened, when the fight had begun, that suddenly the day became night. The Lydians, however, and the Medes, when they saw that it had become night instead of day, ceased from their fighting, and were much more eager, both of them, that peace should be made between them." The two sides, exhausted and perhaps frightened by the omen, seemingly decided enough was enough and used the eclipse as a pretext for peace negotiations. Cyaxares died soon after the battle, 
and his son Astyages concluded the peace treaty with Aliates and the Lydians. A Babylonian, some scholars presume it was King Nebuchadnezzar, joined the two warring sides at the negotiating table and helped hammer out the treaty itself. The Median Empire, by the time of Cyaxares' death, stretched from eastern Anatolia through Transcaucasia, northern Mesopotamia, across the Zagros Mountains and most of the Iranian Plateau, down through the Persian Gulf and into western Afghanistan. Astyages took over in 585 after Cyaxares died, but around 550 BC, a man named something like Kurush, one of the Median Empire's satraps or governors, the hereditary king of Anshan, an ancient Elamite capital, began making some trouble. Kurush, Cyrus in English, eventually went to war with Astyages, got his general Harpagus to defect, and took Ecbatana after three or four years of fighting. He took over the Median Empire, spared Astyages, and created the new Achaemenid dynasty. Then he conquered Lydia, the Babylonian Empire, and Sogdia and Bactria in the east, and started the massive Persian Empire. The empire lasted about 220 years before Alexander the Great's conquest. While it's unclear just which traditions came from which people, and what was already part of a shared Iranian culture, Media was certainly an influence on its vassal Persia. The Zoroastrian religion, or at least an earlier version of the same thing, was practiced under Cyaxares. Median influence was strong enough that the Greeks referred to the faux pas of being Medized, or sympathizing too much with the Persians, during the early days of the Greco-Persian Wars. Cyaxares took advantage of the instability of the time. The Scythians and the Cimmerians shook up a region that was already rattled from internal Assyrian strife. Cyaxares overthrew Scythian rule in Media before working together with a rival kingdom to destroy Assyria, the regional superpower. Not only was he a strong leader, he was an innovative general. He reformed the Median military, and he showed skill as a commander in his capture of Assur. In the end, he took what may have been little more than a small vassal kingdom and created an empire that lasted about 75 years, from his ousting of the Scythians until the revolt of Cyrus took his empire and turned it into the most powerful one the world had yet seen. Next episode, we'll move on from the ancient world, about a thousand years ahead, which means we'll be speculating quite a bit less than we've been for the last three episodes. We'll learn about a prince fleeing the overthrow of his family's empire, only to start a brand new one of his own. Thanks for listening.